Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching. And today we're gonna to cover why you need to make it a priority to manage your mindset when parenting a sensitive child stuck in the meltdown cycle. Hello and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. So today we're going to cover the challenges that you can experience as a parent when you're feeling stuck and frustrated and overwhelmed, which is obviously symptoms of the meltdown cycle, right? When your child is hitting, kicking, screaming, running, throwing things, running away, throwing things, throwing their body on the floor and uh, getting into arguments over and over and over again, it can be exhausting, right? And so when that exhaustion happens over and over and over again, you're running your body ragged. And even if you see yourself as an optimistic person in other avenues of your life, this can really take a toll on your mentality as a parent. You can start to uh, feel doubt and overwhelm and guilt and worry. Uh, frustration and exhaustion can be part of your everyday experience and this is not how we are meant to live and, and experience our lives as humans, but as a parent stuck in that survival mode. These are the emotions that come up when you are trying to survive, when your body is responding as if it's running from a bear. You are looking for danger every day and uh, in that experience of, of dealing with your own fight or flight system and your own nervous system, your, only, your own fight or flight response, your, your responses in your mind are necessary for us to talk about because when you're thinking about the problem that you have, being stuck in the meltdown cycle, trying to help your, your child and feeling like it's not moving the needle or feeling like the efforts that you're uh, taking are just not making the impact at the level that you want it to make, right? So maybe there's some movement, but it's ebbs and flows. It feels like two steps forward, one step back, right? It's really important for you to be paying attention to this topic today. So we're going to cover four different reasons why this is so, so important and uh, what your need, what your next steps are, what you need to do to take, take care of it, right? So took some notes for, for us today. Uh, the first thing that we need to make sure that we're covering is that your mindset affects how you approach parenting and your interactions with your sensitive kid. That's number one, right? When we look at how we are parenting our child, our belief that it's going to get better changes the way that we react, right? If that belief is wavering and only available when you see your child uh, thrive, you know, you're parenting a kid, right? So, kid, and by kid, I mean, you know, your child might be two, four, eight, nine, 14, 15, 17. No child was put on this earth to be miserable. Even if your highly sensitive child is stuck in misery, that misery is not present 
100% of the time. That's not typical for the meltdown cycle. So what is typical is a child's emotional intensity that is ha leaving these meltdowns uh, afoot multiple times a day, multiple times a week, you know, maybe daily, uh, multiple times a week, right? So what that means is if the child's having, you know, 15, 20, 30 minute, three hour meltdowns, you know, 24 hours in the day, right? That happens a couple times a, a, a day maybe. Uh, then you've lost six hours of your day, but the other 18 is still uh, either pleasant, there's probably some joy, or you notice that there's a pocket of compassion uh, throughout the day, but it's just not pervasive, and that's the challenge that you're having in parenting your child. And when we look at the percentage of time that you're spending parenting, right, if, if you work outside the home or your child is going to school, for the majority of the day during during the week, then you want to take a look at the the amount of time that you're spent dealing with this problem proportionate to how much time your child is awake and with you, right? And so when the majority of your time parenting your sensitive kid is spent stuck, feeling frustrated, feeling feeling overwhelmed, feeling exhausted, crying at the end of the night, uh, Googling, trying to, to teach new coping skills, buying different children's book th books, throwing things at the wall, then there is hope in that process for sure, right? Because you wouldn't be um, trying different things if you weren't hopeful. But I want to talk about the difference between hope and uh, expecting things to work out well. Hope is waiting for something to happen so that it works out the way that you expect it, right? Expecting things to work out well is taking consistent action. This is a, a sense that we, we call positive expectation belief. There's a belief for you to be expecting something positive to, sh to happen based on the actions that you're taking, okay? Hope is more of a, of a perspective that one takes uh, that can be quite tied to action or inaction, right? It, it, hope can be um, really a wavering process if you're not taking consistent and strategic action towards uh, solving the problem by ending the meltdown cycle, breaking out of this pattern with your family and in your family dynamic, okay? So one of the things that we know for sure after helping hundreds of families break out of this pattern, uh, thousands of families throughout my career, is that when you look at this challenge uh, from from the standpoint of, of dealing with the meltdowns on a daily basis, the day-to-day -day, uh, problems that you're dealing with are thought of just as that, they're problems, right? So if you're seeing your problems as obstacles, right, if, if any sort of challenge comes up and you're thinking of it as a, ba a barrier, how do I get through this? I don't know how to, how to uh, manage this problem. Oh my gosh, here we go again. That perspective of noticing uh, these obstacles as hard and difficult can really weigh on you. It can, it, it can wear you down, right? Now, parents who are building the skill to break out of this meltdown cycle, when we focus on this, we teach them how to see challenges as opportunities. And when you are able to look at those obstacles as opportunities, there is a different way to, um, you know, to, to approach the behavior. And this is this falls into to, you know, the second reason why you need to make this a priority. Curiosity is essential 
to creatively solve your problems, right? Think about it. Like if you had a problem at work, your boss says, look, I need you to come up with this uh, product to, and you need to deliver it or this presentation and you need to deliver it in 14 days uh, for me to review so that you can present it a month from now. And if, and I need you to tackle this point, this point, this point in this presentation. Um, and I need you to get it all done in 30 minutes <laughs> um, in front of the board or whatever, right? Like there's a problem going on, it seems complex. In order to solve the problem, the most effective way to do that is to be curious about it, right? Because if you're going to work and you judge that problem as too hard, too frustrating, a waste of your time, you already know how to present this, why can't you present it in longer than 30 minutes, right? Then you're coming from that problem from a place of frustration, grief, discouragement, and despair. And you will solve that problem with your arms crossed, figuratively or literally. And while you may see yourself as a problem solver and a fixer, the process of within which you're doing that, within which you're solving that problem, will be harder. You will be suffering through the process. That is a choice when you know how to manage your mindset. When you know how to manage your mindset, then you can change the way that you think about a problem. You can start to think, huh, how can this be simple? How can I make this easier or more fun or more enjoyable? And so in that experience, how can I notice that what I'm already doing is actually exactly what I need to know to, to, in order to apply it to this project. So when we look at every challenge in the parenting dynamic as an opportunity to learn, then it's a heck of a lot easier to get curious when your child is struggling with their big behaviors, if even if they're violent, even if they're aggressive, right? So um, it's easier to do that when you, know what you're, when you know what system you're following, right? We teach our, our, our parents a specific system. Um, but when you're looking at the problem and you're trying to solve this on your own, your attitude has to be uh, part of the process. You have to be focused on that, right? Now, I'm gonna ask you, are you somebody who sees a problem and then says, well, um, when, when this problem is solved, I'll believe it when I see it, right? It's not good enough until it's done. Or are you someone who notices in order to uh, do the best that I can on this project, I have to envision the end result and then work my way backwards to make that happen, right? So in any situation, your boss just told you what the vision is for the position, for the, for the presentation, right? And so that is in and of itself teaching you how to take step-by-step -step action to move the needle. To all the way uh, to finish the, the project, right, at work. So when we take this circumstance and we move it into the home, take that scenario, take this metaphor, the experience that you're having when you're parenting your child, it's very difficult to stay in that mindset, right? It's very difficult to, to process this. This is why we help our clients. We have a ton of accountability and support to, to work through this with our clients because when your child is screaming at you, it's very hard to pay attention to envisioning your child being effect an effective communicator within the next year. Let alone, I mean, some of you might be like, oh yeah, they'll grow out of it. They'll eventually be able to notice that, that you're not allowed to yell at work, right? But rules don't keep you in check. Rules are the logical part of the brain. The emotions are what keep you in check. Emotionally, 
you can disregard rules if you're in emotional distress, right? So it's really important for, for you as a parent to be paying attention to how you're seeing uh, the experience. And you know this, right? If you're reactive, if you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, you're not behaving at your best as a parent all the time or even 90% of the time, right? Because I'm not expecting anybody to be perfect uh, when we work together or, or, or what have you, right? Uh, but it is important to be paying attention to noticing that when you're able to see this challenge from a sense of curiosity, then you can start to notice how your child is already improving. When you notice that and, and you trust that you're uh, applying a system that is going to work, right? Then you can shift out of this dynamic faster because you start to feel better, you start to feel capable, right? When you start to feel better and start to feel capable, you start to feel more, affection, more affectionate, right? I can do this, yeah, let's do it, high five, give me a hug, right? So when this is going on with your kid, your child also feeds off of that. You have a highly sensitive child. They experience the world through a, through a concept called vantage sensitivity. When you change their vantage point, the starting point of their life, the starting point of their day, the starting point of their experience at home, they experience the rest of the world uh, from uh, a higher level of, it, of uh, positivity if you're the one changing the positivity in the home. Okay, so you can Google it, look it up. I've talked about it before on my show. Vantage sensitivity is a scientific concept uh, where highly sensitive people respond differently to the world and uh, it's, it's critical that their environment supports them in a positive way in order to thrive. And so the same is true for, for you as a, a human being, as a parent uh, of a sensitive kid in the sense that when you experience um, positive emotions, you start to feel uh, excited, you start to get creative, you start to get playful and uh, you're more aware, you're also more focused, right? We see this with doctors, doctors who are uh, focusing on improving their emotional intensity um, from a place of, of positivity. They actually uh, make better diagnoses. Okay? There's lots of studies on that. Uh, they think outside the box in their diagnostic tools. They stop responding in reactivity and just run of the mill, right? And uh, as a result, their patients get better. There's research around that, okay? And this is just one study. There's all kinds of studies related to thinking positively, right? But what's important to understand is that when you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, thinking positively can feel um, like a huge stretch, right? Because honestly, you've been dealing with, with this problem for how many years, right? And uh, when that's going on, when you're, you know, when you're dealing with this for so many years, it can be really difficult to, again, tie yourself to hope, tie yourself to expecting something to go well, right? So it's important to understand that when you can achieve this, your responsivity to your child's challenges happens much swifter, right? Think about a time outside of parenting, a place where you feel more capable. Are, do you find yourself more capable when... Um, when you're happy, right? When you are experiencing um, um, enjoyment, appreciation, gratitude, right? Uh, you're likely more, not just more creative, but you also feel more effective. You're probably more efficient, right? And when you're more efficient, then you accomplish more. And, and you accomplish more, 
your goals happen faster. When your goals happen faster, you are more, you feel more capable, right? So it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy here. And that's really important to understand because when we look at Carol Dweck's uh, research on um, the growth mindset, you know, she coined that term many, many years ago. She speaks about the understanding of looking at life from a glass half full perspective. And that takes work when you feel like you've lost it in your home, right? And uh, it's important to be able to find a way to return to it. And this is why we, we support our clients uh, to, to solve this problem in a pretty intense level, right? Some parents might think, oh, you know, I can just go read a book. I can just go um, ask a question in a large forum, um, you know, once a month when I feel super, super overwhelmed, right? But at that point, uh, you really need much more of an overhaul in how you're looking at the world uh, from this experience in order to change the dynamic in your home, okay? Because if you don't feel capable, then your child is not going to feel capable. As leaders, we go first. We have to be thinking from a, from a place of, of not just curiosity, but capacity, capability, right? If you are looking at your child's potential and then you see this, uh, you see the, the target for your child to reach their potential, and then you see this massive gap where they're not performing not only at their best, but they also seem to be sabotaging their potential. For example, they're very compassionate. They're very friendly, right? Uh, they really care about other people at times and in other times they're yelling and screaming at them. So they're acting opposite their intentions or their capacity, right? There's a big gap there. And so when you see that discrepancy happen over and over and over again, this gap starts to feel wider in your mind and it also starts to get wider because you're coming at solving the problem from discouragement or reactivity, right? So you in and of yourself are also stuck in this, this survival mode. So again, when we look at being able to take a, a stand for your family and being able to process uh, shifting this dynamic in your home, it's important to understand that the whole family is struggling and suffering in a survival mode when you are watching your child struggle and, and you're witnessing and experiencing your child struggle. This is a family dynamic issue. Every single person in the family is struggling and it's really important to, to uh, uh, be aware of that because Many times we hear parents who are working through this, and even our clients who are working through this, uh, they may see progress with their highly sensitive child. Their highly sensitive child starts to settle more into their mind, into their hearts, into their bodies, and they start to solve their problems creatively. They start to feel a little bit better, and then what, what happens all of a sudden? Little brother starts to uh, struggle, right? Well, wait a minute. Is little brother now just seeking attention? Is little brother just mimicking older brother's uh, big ineffective behaviors? because um, you know, because the spontaneous affection's happening more for my sensitive kid. We see some wins here, right? No. no, little brother is showing you that he also has a skill gap. And so if we look at it from that angle and you follow a process that allows you to, to continue to help the whole entire family rise, right? Rising tide lifts all ships. Then what we get to do is we get to notice that when you tackle it from that perspective, everybody's winning, everybody's building skills, right? And you are able to speed up the skill gaps for other family members in this dynamic much faster when you focus not just on one child, but focus on the whole family dynamic in order to help one child, okay? So now, obviously, if you're parenting multiple children who are highly sensitive, stuck in the meltdown cycle, then that can feel quite 
uh, convoluted, right? Which child do I prioritize? Which, how do I decide uh, what's more important um, in, in this situation? Which behaviors are the biggest? Which, um, uh, you know, which child has the highest need? How do I support them all at once? You can't just like send the other kids away, right? So it, it, comes, it, it becomes much more evident when you're parenting more than one child who's struggling at the same time that this is a family dynamic issue. Uh, however, if you're only parenting one child or you're parenting multiple children and only one child is struggling, then it's difficult for you to believe that this is a family dynamic issue. And I gotta tell you uh, that it's, it's not just a multiple highly sensitive kid in one household problem. It is a family dynamic problem. We've been dealing with this for years and that's how we're able to shift the, the system so much faster when we don't hone in on the scapegoat, right? Your highly sensitive child is the alarm bell in the house. You cannot try to turn off the alarm when something's burning in the house just by removing the batteries, you know, pull out the nine volt. You know what? The alarm stops ringing. It's good to go. Alarm's fixed. The alarm was ringing for a reason, right? Your child's on fire. The house is on fire. Emotionally, people are missing skills. So we got to tackle it from the root. We got to look at what caused the fire. Is there any fuel being thrown on the fire, right? Are there windows open? Um, bringing more air into the fire. And I'm going to stop being, um, you know, pretending I'm a firefighter, I understand all about arson, right? But um, it's, let's, um, let's notice the, the process here, okay? Um, so again, when, when we think about what solves the problem, what you need to do to break out of this meltdown cycle, to get those meltdowns to not just stop right away, but to stay away over and over and over again, weeks and weeks and weeks, years and years and years, you need to be focusing on four things. First, your mindset, okay, great, we just covered that today. Secondly, you need to be playful. We already covered that as well, right? Because if you're curious, you're playful. You need to be communicating in a playful way. You need to be able to talk to your child on their developmental level. You need to be able to teach them on the developmental level and children, no matter the age, learn through play. Children, including teenagers. Oh my gosh, yes, they are still your children. <laughs> uh, so we, we teach our parents how to communicate in a playful way that is not uh, feeling babyish or uh, you know, a teen might think that you're mocking them or that it feels condescending. And it, it's important to be able to do that in a way that not only is lighthearted in order to increase connection in the household, it also combats shame. And you need to be able to combat shame for your child to feel capable of solving their problems. And in order to be capable of solving their problems, they need to feel capable when they're calm. So when your child is calm and something happens, and uh, something that's unexpected, they maybe get, um, you know, are, are drawing and are not able to complete the activity because they swipe their pen all the way across the page, it slipped, right? Do they immediately go into reactivity even if it's not a meltdown? Well, that demonstrates to you that it, your child is showing you that when challenge happens, they don't feel capable of solving it. They're not just surprised, they're reactive, right? A surprised child can, ooh, whoa, and then figure out how to solve that problem, figure out how to make that swipe of the pen on the drawing either, um, you know, change uh, change the shape of, of what they were drawing or move on, right? My, my child's highly sensitive. She's six, she's moving th at the time of this recording. She's uh, learning how to write and spell and and get, you know, get it, you know, write in full sentences. And when she mixes up a letter, she just draws a flower or a heart 
over it, right? That's resilience, that's creativity, okay? Um, if your child is struggling to the point where they're just scratching it all out and throw, crumpling out the paper and throwing it out, maybe they don't have a meltdown at that point, but if they're instantly frustrated, they have a really low frustration tolerance, this goes back to that irritability I've been talking about, right? That low level simmering pot situation that's going on all day long. When that's happening, your nervous system, whew, you're holding your breath, okay? Um, it's really tough for you to stay calm when that's going on. You're walking on eggshells, okay? So it's important for you to notice that that plays into your perspective of the fact that either you can handle it, right, you're capable, or that your child can handle it, right? You might be like, oh, no, 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 it's all right, it's all right, here, but let's, uh, let's, let's figure this out. I can help you solve it, right? Instead, we want highly sensitive children to solve their own problems because they're naturally curious and they, they, they're naturally detail-oriented. So when a highly sensitive child is calm, cool, collected, and knows how to do that, even when they're surprised and frustrated, solve their own problems. That's what we're talking about here, right? For six-year-olds, like my kiddo, for uh, you know your nine-year-old, for fourteen-year-old, teenager, uh, older than that, right? Out of out of eighth grade, moving into high school, okay? And that perfectionism, that wanting to get it right the first time, that's part of the temperament trait, um, does not have to be a um, an anchor, right? A uh, child can want to get it right the first time and then tolerate not getting it right the first time. Those two things can be true at the same time. And when that's a process that you're able to help your child achieve, then obviously you see it again and again and again. Um, you're able to see it before you believe it. Sorry, wait a minute. Believe it before you see it. <laughs> and then you see it more and so you believe it more. It's possible. It's in your reality right this minute, right? All right. So. Uh, they compound, the winds compound, okay? So, uh, we talked about two of, the two of the things you need to be doing. We, actually three, because playful and then we moved into shame. You need to combat shame, change behavior uh, in a systematic way. Notice how, what behaviors you need to be focusing on to prioritize, because when you prioritize big behaviors, then um, in, in, in a way that is playful and teach more effective skills, then your child is much more capable of solving problems on their own, which means every little thing that bothers them or every little behavior you see ends up melting away. You don't have to target it. You don't have to have to pay attention to it, actually, because when you rip things out at the root, rip out the skill gap at the root or fill the gap. <laughs> Sorry, I'm mixing my metaphors here. Um, then you get to... You get to um, ignore the ineffective behaviors because they solve themselves not from a place of hope right just hanging on to a balloon floating in the air waiting for yourself to land but from a, a place of um, systematic consistent intelligent action okay um, that's what reduces the stress okay so we've got playful We've got a behavior management plan that reduces shame. We've got your mindset, right? The next piece we're talking about is being able to follow a system and be able to do that in a way that is repeatable, right? And we can help you do that. You can absolutely do that by uh, booking a call with our team. We look forward to speaking with you about where you're stuck, what your challenges are, what you want to achieve as a family, 
for your whole family, not just for your one kid, for your whole family. And if those goals align with what we help our clients uh, achieve and you're a fit for what we do, then we will tell you all about it. Well, you'll, you'll be able to start right away because there's no time like today to make a decision. We only make decisions in the today, right? Here, right now, you are deciding to pay attention to what I'm saying. That's a decision, right? You don't decide to do it tomorrow. You decide today, or you're doing it right now, right? If you decide to do it tomorrow, then tomorrow you'll decide to do it in the now, right? So we only ever make action on a decision in the now. You can never delay uh, action. It only happens here and right now, right? So we are always deciding. We either decide to procrastinate and push it off to tomorrow or the next day, right? Which is the busiest day of the week. Or we decide to take action, okay? And, uh, and do that in the moment. So of course we support our clients in, in uh, being decisive and paying attention to what needs to, to happen to make, to, to follow through on the process that we teach. And uh, same phone call, same, same process, okay? Happy to support you in making that decision for your family and helping you change your whole family dynamics so that the whole family can look at life from a glass half full perspective and believe it, right? Rather than just trying to convince yourself that everything's going to work its way out. And uh, we look forward to having that call. That conversation's free, okay? Happy to, happy to have it with you. If you're parenting a highly sensitive child uh, who is um, eight, uh, ninth grade and up, all right? You would bring your teenager to that conversation so we can help them start to um, not think that optimism is just what people who live in sunshines and rainbows uh, and unicorn poops do, right? It's real life. You can be optimistic right now. That can be a thing that you can practice and cultivate. And we're happy to help you do it uh, and eliminate the meltdown cycle in the process, right? Let's rock. Okay, talk soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.